0: We are all on a journey. We build dreams and create expectations. When the road we're traveling isn't straight and smooth, we encounter unexpected detours. Road closure ahead. That delay us from moving forward. This is where dreams die and passions fade. Obstacle in road ahead. We can feel lost. Turn around when possible. But there's an alternate route. We can learn about navigating our expectations with a God who knows the way forward. Redirecting Route. Well, a hearty welcome to all in our faith community, those here on our Ridgely Road campus, and those all over the world who join us in faith and celebration. If you're in the process of getting back to normal schedule with schools having opened, or you're visiting for the first time, or this is your first time in a long time, welcome. It's good to have you all with us. We are in the third week of our series looking at expectations. In the first week, we laid out a few basics about expectations. First, they are multifaceted. We have expectations of every area of our life, expectations at work, at school, in society from general, we have expectations of ourselves, and, yes, even God has expectations of us. Second, our expectations are the lens that colors each of those areas of our life I just mentioned and how we feel about them. So if something is expecting, exceeding, excuse me our, our expectations, we tend to feel very good. If something hasn't met them, well, we don't feel so good. And then, the third issue about expectations is that not only do we have expectations of others, but you have expectations of me. Oh yes, and God has expectations of us also. We'll touch on that in a bit. Finally, uh, fourth, our health, our happiness, our relationships, all of our well-being depends on how we manage expectations. So we can manage them to bring us comfort and satisfaction. Today we're going to look at some expectations we can get wrong because of the culture that we live in. And the story will help us kind of adjust our expectations to the real world. We can have expectations that are unrealistic. And then we can have some that are flat out wrong. They are actually Dead ends, expectations that are dead ends. We can follow them for a long, long time and then we get to the end and realize they can't deliver what we had expected. And so, the quicker we redirect our route from these false expectations, the better off we're gonna be. So, we're going to look at a parable today from St. Luke's Gospel. Of all the four Gospels, Luke is most equipped or or let's say best tailored to speak to our community of northern Baltimore County as well as many of our people who join us around the world. There are two reasons why Luke is so appropriate for us. First is that Luke is speaking primarily to Gentiles, non-Jews, so the idea is that he's speaking to the whole world and not just the Jewish people. And how this gospel then really applies to all of us. Secondly, he addresses his gospel to a more affluent audience. While many people in the first century were enslaved or barely had enough to get by on, we also see teachings addressed by Luke to people who have more than enough, people who live a little more comfortably than others. I have to say that from my casual observance, there are more teachings in Luke on money and how God wants us to handle it than there are in the other three gospels. There are parables about handling money. What do you do with possessions? And these don't appear in the other synoptic gospels. So we begin with the story with a bit of a once upon a time opening. And it goes like this. There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen, very important purple garments, and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. Remember that Jesus is a master storyteller and a master at painting a picture in just a few words as he just did. We quickly get a picture of this guy who has some wealth and means. He loves to dress in purple garments. That's just not a color preference. Purple clothes were the most expensive clothes you could buy in the first century and usually they were reserved for royalty. it's because purple clothes could only be produced from a dye secreted by sea snails. So let's say if you wore purple, you had money, lots of it. It would be like our saying today that someone wore clothes every day from Gucci or Louis Vuitton or Chanel, and that to get them, they would travel to Paris each year for the fashion shows to buy them. So this guy spends money on the most expensive clothes and fine linen, as Jesus describes. And then, not only that, he dines sumptuously each day. So, every day, he has his choicest foods, filet mignon, lobster. He eats meals at the best restaurants. I won't name them, we all know where they are. Notice what it says at the end of the reading. This is every day. This is a lifestyle he's established for himself. The picture Jesus paints of a guy who's made possessions and pleasure the focus of his daily living. That's clear. And as we will see through the parable, it is because this guy is completely focused on himself. Oh, he has a credo. He has a rule he lives by, and it's this. Abundance equals happiness. Let's acknowledge two things. First. Would you agree that our world and culture, the advertising industry has heaped upon us, can lead us in believing that more is better? Amen? Amen. Oh, there are people out there. <laughs> Usually it's just those online, I hear. That the world, secondly, that would you say that the world sets us up to expect that the best life is to be found in an abundance of possessions and a life of leisure? Yes. Good. There must be some Baptists out there, too. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. So if it's not possessions, then the world may be telling us that we can expect a life of leisure, a life of pleasure, to bring us the best life we can hope for. So we come to believe that the best life will come from devoting ourselves to a little, uh, excuse me, to a life of leisure. You might say focusing on playing golf or going sailing or shopping or vacationing to exotic places. Let's play a little quiz here since this is such an active congregation. How true do these sound to you? If you're empty, you need to fill yourself. If you're stressed, learn how to take care of yourself. Job interview, believe in yourself. In a tattoo parlor, I don't know who's there, but there must be somebody there. You must be able to express yourself and die. If someone dares to criticize you, you love yourself. If you're not getting your own way, You stand up for yourself. So what's common to all of these? Just think for a moment. Boom, 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 boom. Anybody know? Yourself. Yourself. Amen. This is a smart group too. So (laughs) it's that the self is the standalone, the do-it-yourself unit in each of them. In our gospel, the poor, or should we say the rich man? has taken the bait and focused himself on having the best possessions and having a life of leisure and pleasure, and he expects, big important word, he expects it's all gonna work out for him. Let's return to the drama of our story. And And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table, dogs even used to come and lick his sores. So, while each day the rich man is focusing on himself, there stands a man in need right outside the door. Lazarus is not a poor guy in some faraway country. Lazarus is a person in need at the rich man's door. Jesus, the master storyteller, shows how bad Lazarus is in need in just a few vivid descriptions. Sores seeping and covering his body. Medical attention, absolutely healing dying for it and he needs some food the guy is starving but the rich man sad to say is so busy with himself that he doesn't pay any attention to him he doesn't even give him the scraps that fall from his table and as we will see in a minute the rich man was expected to take care of him the rich man was expected to serve him the plot thickens let's regain the story let's re Turn to the story. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried and from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. In the bat of an eye, the tables have turned. Death reverses their situations. Lazarus is now in a place of peace and comfort, the rich man in a place of torment. Now, as an aside, Catholic scholar Scott Hahn argues that this place of torment is not hell, but purgatory. That the rich man is suffering for not having helped Lazarus, but it isn't eternal fire. It's the fire of purification. I think that's an interesting thought. Often we look at injustices and inequities in this world and wonder, why doesn't God do something? Well, folks, God does want to do something, but he's going to do it through people. He gives extra to us so that we can help those who have less than us or are in need. That's God's plan, and we're part of it. But even if justice is not fully realized in this life, rest assured, my friends, it will be in the next back to the turned tables. Lazarus cries out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Hm. The rich man comes from a place of torment that results from his bad choices. His focus on himself has led him to a place he never expected to be. He expected, honestly, to enjoy possessions and pleasures of the world forever. But when he dies, he must move away from the possessions, he must move away from the pleasures of the world. Brothers and sisters, what is certain is that death will one day separate each of us from our stuff, from our possessions, and from our lifestyles and the pleasures of this world. It's guaranteed that your death and mine will one day perhaps sooner than we think, will separate us from all this that is temporary. That's why we have to set expectations beyond this world and not just focus on the here and now, important as it may be. Our expectations shape our souls, and that creates our character. We see this so clearly in the rich man of today's gospel. Notice the rich man still thinks the world revolves around him. He expects Lazarus to come and serve him. That's his request. Have Lazarus dip his tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in torment. He has expected the world to revolve around him and he still does. Even in this place of judgment, he wants Lazarus to serve him. Sure sounds like unrealistic expectation to me. We now see that Abraham replies with the perfect answer. My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comfortable here, whereas you are in torment. Moreover, between us and you, a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to come from our side to yours or from your side to us. Abraham calls him my child. So there's mercy and compassion for him. But he adds, remember, in your lifetime you had good things and Lazarus had bad. And you did nothing, nothing to comfort him. So now the situation is reversed. While you could have helped him in his former life, there's nothing Lazarus can do for you now. But that life is ended. It is such a Profoundly sad realization. This life and the next life are indeed connected. So we want to make decisions now in light of eternity. Just make sense. We want to set our expectations now for a continuation of the life we want to live. We don't want to be based just on what's here in this world. We want to set them on God's promise of what's to come in the next. So, In all parables, someone usually represents the hearers. Yes, we're supposed to see ourselves in the parable. And as folks who are wealthy in comparison to the rest of the world, we're to see ourselves in the rich man. Jesus wants us to identify with this rich guy, not to condemn us. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Not even to make us feel guilty. Jesus never leverages guilt that way. But in a loving, caring, compassionate way, he's trying to warn us. He's warning us in this parable about the dead end, the dead end of temporal, tangible things. Jesus wants to fill the deepest longings of our heart and soul with the things that will never end. I've learned that the more wealth and opportunities I get, the more I get sucked into thinking temporary possessions and pleasures can fill me. Money, possessions, pleasure are not bad. They're goods and they're gifts from God, but they are not the route to a satisfying life. As we get older, we come more in touch with that insight. If we expect that once we have an abundance of possessions and pleasures, we'll be satisfied, we have just set up expectations that are not only dead wrong, but expectations that are dead ends. Sorry, I'm saying this for my own sake as well. It's challenging in our world to accept that truth, but we know well, tell a lie enough times, people begin to believe it. We start to expect it to be true, but we know in our heart of hearts, it just isn't. When we do find ourselves expecting them to fill us, we will and we need to redirect our route, as the theme suggests, redirect our route, and go in another direction. The reading from Timothy, the second reading today, gives us the better route to take. Paul is talking to Timothy. But you, man of God, pursue righteousness, devotion, faith and love, patience and gentleness. Compete well for the faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were called. Yeah, pursue, seek, complete, or compete, for eternal life. Laying hold of eternal life does not only mean going to heaven. Laying hold of eternal life does mean connecting with the things in this life right now at your disposal and mind that are eternal. We got them right now, they surround us. It means choosing the eternal over the temporal in the moment and you've got them all. What are they? That God is present and you're present to God in prayer and worship, that your soul moves from your mind to your body to your actions, and relationships to other people. These are things in your life right now that are also part of your life hereafter. And not only are they connected, but as you work with these, the fullness of life hereafter comes to fullness. So it's easy to set our expectations too low. Laying hold means getting your ego out of the way, you're not a do-it-yourself unit. And the soul reminds us we're not, we're not made for ourselves, we're made for connection, connection. And that's the bridge, not only to a fulfilling life now, but to a life hereafter. So, by way of application, I'd ask, who is outside your door that God is calling you to care for? Is it a neighbor or a coworker? Is it an aging parent? or a friend who's now grown old and ill. Perhaps you feel like that person is a distraction, so you want to put him out of your mind? He's at your doorstep. Don't step over him. Notice him and care for him. It's God really trying to get your attention, and I think he's got it. It's God trying to remind us to care about someone, and in so doing, to care for what is eternal. Perhaps you need to set some time in your schedule. Specifically, I suggest a repeating weekly reminder. Care for someone today. Care for someone today. Or one of the ministries we value here at Nativity is member care. We strive continuously to create a community where we look out and care for one another so that we don't get too focused on ourselves, our own egos. This weekend... I would personally invite you to learn more about opportunities to serve in our member care ministry. Member care helps people in our parish when they're struggling or in need. And there are several opportunities where God, I would say, is moving your heart right now. How about facilitating conversations with people who are grieving the loss of a loved one? Or praying for people on our website, Prayer Wall? Or here's one. Once a month, taking communion to someone who's bound by a bed and can't get out of the house. That person will long to see you one month to the next. And what are you doing? You're connecting and bringing the very flesh and blood of Jesus Christ to that person. No matter what your skills, you have a positive impact on other folks when they are struggling and in need. Yeah, God wants to use you to care for others. You can learn more by texting the word care to our short code 88877. Texting care to our short code 88877. Or special treat this weekend, stopping by the pavilion today after mass for a 10-minute presentation. As I said, our world will focus us on temporary and fleeting pleasures and possessions. But now, we can be wiser than that. And avoid these dead end expectations. Let's compete well for the faith and lay hold of eternal life. That opportunity, my dear friends, is now resting at your doorstep. While there's still time, don't let it pass you by. Hey, everyone, thanks for watching with us today. Hit that subscribe button right now so you don't miss a single thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples simply by sharing this video. We are so grateful you're part of our community.